This morning we're going to conclude our series on gratitude by looking at the focus of gratitude. So uh, if you'll think with me, the bullseye, put that up there, yeah. Uh, If you're good at darts, you can uh, certainly throw and hit the, the center, the bullseye. That's literally what it means, the center of the target. So what is the bullseye of gratitude and thanksgiving? What's the focus? What are we supposed to be aiming at? What's the goal when you and I want to be grateful and thankful people? Would you locate with me on your phone, in your Bibles? The very last book of the Bible, book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 4, the Apostle John paints for us an awesome picture of what's happening in heaven, even right now. So as we stand and read in just a moment, be thinking, this is actually going on right now, just as it was recorded. So if you're able, would you stand with me? Revelation chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 to 11, out loud together. Balcony, you're going to join me, right? Okay, got it. Good, here we go. Verse 1. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks, to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you that uh, you give us this wonderful, 
awesome picture of what's happening right now in heaven. So thanks that we don't have to wonder or guess. You've written it down. You've inspired John to get it down just right for us. Lord, we know these words are alive and they're life-changing and they're profitable. So Lord, would you teach us and correct us and rebuke us and train us this morning from your book? Help us to understand what's going on here in Revelation 4. Lord, I just want to pause just for a moment because we're here in your church. We gather together as family, but the truth is, Lord, some here today have had a rough week. Some here today enter your church, they're feeling overwhelmed, some are feeling uh, lonely, some are feeling exhausted. So, Lord, uh, I want to pray for my friends who are struggling here today. And I also want to pray for our church family at East Jordan, because uh, our sister Lee Cloyd, uh, she's about to get promoted to be with you. So I pray especially for East Jordan. I pray for those of us here at Walloon who love Lee. And I pray for comfort and strength. And uh, Lord, we need you to walk with us even as Lee enters the valley of the shadow of death. So uh, bring, bring comfort on your church family here today. We're grateful, Lord, you're with us here. We invite your Holy Spirit to be welcomed today in your church and all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one thankful voice, Amen. Be seated. Jesus invites John to go on a guided tour. He calls him into the control room of the universe. Think about that with me. So John, come on up, uh, and I want you to go and tour the control room of the cosmos. Now, if we go down to Houston, Texas, and if you know somebody at Johnson Space Center, you might get a first-hand tour and actually get up close and view mission control of NASA. But the Apostle John knows somebody, doesn't he? The Apostle John knows Jesus, and Jesus says, I want to give you a tour of mission control. I want to give you a tour, and I want you to see what's going on right now in heaven. So come on with me. This is the nerve center where King Jesus rules and reigns and holds all things in the universe together. Colossians 1.17 makes that very clear. Jesus is the one who holds the whole earth together. So what's happening here, Revelation chapter 4, and, and I will encourage you, once you read chapter 5 sometime this week, it's the perfect true reality of what it means to worship and adore and magnify Jesus in the way he deserves to be worshipped and adored. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9, you might want to look this up sometime, explains what we do here on earth is the copy. Track with me. What's actually going on in heaven is the original. Okay, So on, on earth, this is the lithograph of true worship that's done perfectly in heaven. 
So this is the copy. And our responsibility, our duty, while we wait here on earth, either for Jesus to call us home when we die, or uh, for Jesus to return and have he and his church join him to rule here on earth. Our job is to duplicate the original. Think about that with me. Okay? Our duty is to copy worshiping Jesus both individually and corporately as a church family as he deserves. Revelation 4 is the bullseye. This is how we should be worshiping King Jesus. Okay? It's our job to copy and duplicate what we see in Revelation 4, and we're to do that today uh, and practice what it means to worship Jesus well. Okay, So that's what we're doing here, and, and he tells John, write it down. I want you to write it down. I want you to follow. I want you to mimic what you see going on in Revelation 4 here today. Now, there's a boatload of detail here in Revelation 4 and chapter 5. We could write down 20, 30, probably numerous, countless things actually going on. But I want to limit it to three things. So if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you. You're here at church. You're awake, right? If you're awake, show me your hand. Yeah, I'm here. I'm awake. I'm alive. Okay, so you might as well remember why you're here. Okay, so write it down. Okay, you'll remember <clears throat> about 80% better if you write it down. So here's the first fact of worship that pushes us towards gratitude. Please understand, when we worship as we should, gratitude and thankfulness just naturally well up. Okay, so here's the first fact. Okay, the star of the show, the main attraction the focus, the bullseye of our worship is always Jesus Christ, okay? So that's what you see first and foremost here. Hello, Jose. Hi. Yeah, you always see Jesus, okay? So anytime worship happens as it's going on in heaven, the star of the show, the main attraction is Jesus Christ. He's lifted high. Look at verse 2. Here's what it says. Jesus is the one seated on the throne of heaven, okay? Verse 6, the throne of Jesus is the centerpiece of all the activity of Revelation 4 and chapter 5. So everything going on, it's the throne of Jesus Christ. Slide down to verse 7, I want to show you something, okay? The lion, the ox, the man, the eagle, what's, what's, what is that all about? Those are the four descriptions of Jesus given us in the Gospels. Matthew is the man, beginning with the genealogy. Mark is the eagle, beginning with the Isaiah prophecy. Luke is the ox, which begins with the priestly sacrifice. John is the lion, as John begins with boldness and courage and confidence. Keep going, verse 8. The four living creatures, the four seraphs, continuously speak of Jesus. The one who was, past, the one who is, present tense, and is to come, future. 
Verse 10 is interesting, I think. Speaks of 24 elders. Well, well, who are these 24 elders? Here's my opinion. Here's what my take on it. I think you have the 12 tribes of Israel, Old Testament, and you have the 12 disciples of Jesus, New Testament. Okay? So you have 12 tribes, 12 disciples. So you have believers from the Old Testament and the New Testament coming together, joining together to worship Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King, the Lord of the entire universe. See what I'm saying? So they're coming together, worshiping the bullseye, if you will. Verse 11, keep going with me, tells us that all things in heaven and on earth were created by Jesus. And they exist because Jesus made them. All of heaven and earth are worshiping the Creator. Slide down to chapter 5 and verse 6, either on your phone or in your Bible. It says, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but now it's standing between the throne and the four living beings and amongst the 24 elders. Okay? It's the lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, who's the centerpiece right here. Slide down to verses 9 and 10, chapter 5, where it says that all of heaven bursts into song. (laughs) All of heaven is praising Jesus who took our place. So just pause with me. Worship occurs anytime our hearts and our minds are focused on the bullseye, Jesus Christ. What's worship? It's when our hearts and our minds are honoring and adoring and praising Jesus for what he's done and what he's doing today and what's to come. That's what worship is. And I just want you to know that shouldn't just happen on Sunday mornings. We should be worshiping all week long. We live far away many times, and you're driving. Myron, when you're driving into work, we should be worshiping the Lord as we drive our trucks and our cars. Uh, We should be worshiping the Lord as we get into the habit of opening up God's book and, and finding Jesus in whatever we're reading. We can worship Jesus as we eat. Lord, thank you for this delicious cheeseburger or as I'm beginning to try to learn or thank you Lord for this wonderful salad yeah amen you worship Jesus as you fall asleep at night tell him about your day tell him what's concerning you ask for wisdom about what you know is going to happen the next day worship all day long firing up arrow prayers and enjoying the presence of Jesus all day long. Because, give me your eyes, here's what I know. We can read our Bibles and not worship. I'm not thinking, focusing, adoring Jesus. Uh, We can listen to worship songs. We can have Aaron's uh, podcast going on listening to him on spotify you're on spotify right yeah yeah 
You, you, and if you're not focused on Jesus and listening to the message of the songs, we can listen to Christian music and, and not be worshiping. Uh, we can listen to podcasts or sermons. You can be here right now, and the truth is your mind is in a galaxy far, far away. How do I know that? <laughs> Worship occurs when our minds and our hearts are aimed at, focused on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He's, he's the centerpiece. And, and when we're focusing on Jesus, it, this is what happens. Gratitude and thankfulness just begins to grow and well up in us. That, that's, that's the way it happens. So you want gratitude and thankfulness to be a daily part of your life? Then make worshiping Jesus a daily part of your life. So here's my question. How much genuine biblical worship happened in your life this past week? How much focusing your attention on Jesus and what he's done and what he's doing and what's to How much of that went on in your life during this past week? Second foundational fact that causes gratitude and thankfulness to grow, okay, is when we realize that genuine worship is not about receiving. Genuine worship is about... It's up there, okay? This isn't a trick question, okay? Genuine... Read it with me, okay? That'd be good. Worshiping Jesus is not about... Worshiping Jesus is all about telling you that's huge okay because we live in a consumer oriented society okay i used to work at a place satisfaction guaranteed was right on the side of our building anybody know what that is sears sears yeah i worked at sears auto center um anyway that that's what it says you better guarantee that i'm satisfied you go to a restaurant i want my order how i want it my way Okay? We could sing a little song right now. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special order. Anyway, you know, I want it my way. We expect wherever we go will be served. We do. What about my needs? What about my interests? What about me? It's all about me. But now I want you to go back to Revelation 4. Look at verse 8. Because the seraphs were not looking out for themselves. The seraphs were not looking after their interests. They were all about giving praise and adoration to Jesus Christ. That was their sole focus. It wasn't about getting. They were there to give praise and unceasing adoration to Jesus Christ. Slide down to verse 10. I want to, I want to show you something. Because those 24 elders... The, one, the ones representing the Old Testament and the New Testament, what are the elders doing in verse 10? They are falling face down as they toss their crowns at Jesus' feet. I'm telling you, this, this is, wow! Biblical worship is an audience of one. The only audience that matters when we worship is Jesus Christ. 
He's the one that our focus and, and our obligation is to praise and adore and worship Jesus as he deserves. He deserves all of our praise and worship. And when we focus our worship as an audience of one, guess what? He floods our hearts with gratitude. He floods our minds and our beings with thankfulness. So, so you want to be a, a grateful, thankful person? Then you need to get your attention and start giving Jesus the worship that he, he deserves. He really does deserve it. Everything we have. Third foundational fact that causes gratitude and thanksgiving to grow and get stronger, okay, is when we come to the point we realize that worshiping King Jesus is going to be the major activity for us for all of eternity. Let that soak in, okay? So the major thing that we're going to do for all of eternity is to worship Jesus, okay? That's that's go, whoa. If you go with me to the last two chapters, Revelation 21, 22, we get our best glimpses there of the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus is front and center, Revelation 21, 22. Okay? He's the bullseye. 21, 3, one of my favorite verses, God's home now is with his people. Think about that. New heaven, new earth, we're going to be with the Lord he will live with us. He will be our God, it says. And I like this part. And he'll wipe away every tear. And in the new heaven and new earth, no crying, no death, no sorrow, no pain. How many of you say that sounds pretty good? Right? Right? Verse 16, chapter 22. Jesus says, I, I Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I'm both the source of David and the heir to the throne. Jesus says, I'm the morning star. I'm the bullseye. I'm the centerpiece of the new heaven and the new earth. Just want you to know, as fallen, busy, scheduled, easily distracted people, okay, worship does not come easy or naturally to most of us. For most of us, to worship Jesus daily it is takes effort. It, it's hard, okay? It, it's, it takes a lot of concentration, Henry, to love and worship Jesus every day. You got to make it a part. It's got to become a holy habit. Every day, Jesus, I'm talking to you about my day. I'm singing to you as I drive. I'm listening to you. I'm falling asleep talking with the Good Shepherd. Do you understand? It takes effort. It's not just something we do for 25 or 30 minutes before uh, the sermon on Sunday mornings. Matter of fact, here's what I want you to think about. If the only time or most of the time where you're worshiping Jesus happens here on Sunday mornings, then worship is likely a chore or a bore for you. That's true. Because if you're only doing it here for 25, 30 minutes... Um, and you're not doing it all week long, then when you get here, you go, you know what, this ain't so great. It, it's, yeah, yeah, hurry up. Let's, let's. I'm, I'm telling you, this is what all eternity is going to be about. Do you understand? 
But when you're worshiping all week long, give me your eyes, all week long you're praising and singing and firing and you're all by yourself, Myron. And then when we get together with the church family, I love, I, this is my favorite time of the week. You know why? I've been worshiping Jesus by myself, some with Denise, but now we get to come with the family. Now we get to come and worship corporately with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's my favorite time of the week. Why? Because we're doing what's going to happen. We're mimicking the original, which we see in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. So, quick review. Jesus is the bullseye, the target, the focus of our worship. Okay? Uh, Jesus is the center. He's, he's the centerpiece and gratitude flows when we're worshiping Jesus. Secondly, it's not about receiving. Worship is about giving Him what He's due. What, what He is due is honor and glory and praise, which makes us a thankful people. Third, worship is going to be our primary activity in heaven for all of eternity. Okay? So think about it this way. When we're worshiping Jesus today, you're practicing for heaven. This is practice. And I'm practicing and I'm learning to love, to worship and adore King Jesus because that's what heaven is going to be about. And I'm just telling you, if you think about it in that way, that makes gathering here on Sundays amazing and delightful and awesome. <laughs>